Welcome to the 81st episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Chris Grabenstein, author of the John Cepak Mystery Series. The latest novel by Grabenstein is Fun House that's available in bookstores now. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Chris Grabenstein, author of the new mystery novel, Fun House, the latest book in the John Cepak series. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Well, first, can I ask you to read the first three or four paragraphs of Fun House? Sure. This is how the uh, seventh book in what's known as my John Cepak Jersey Shore series gets started. Chapter one. He wasn't happy about it, but last night my partner, John Cepak, became a TV star. Maybe you caught his act on YouTube this morning. The video snip of his guest appearance on the reality TV show Funhouse already has like two million hits. Cepak, the one guy in America who could not care less about being famous, now is. And it's sort of my fault. Back in June at the all-new, all-wood Rolling Thunder roller coaster, I met a girl named Layla Shapiro. She's my age, just turned 26, very sexy, very sassy. Turns out Layla, yes, her parents really dug that old Eric Clapton song, was visiting Seahaven, our sunny resort down the Jersey Shore, over Memorial Day weekend because she was scouting locations for Prickly Pear Productions, this Hollywood outfit that shoots crap for television like Hot Dog and Animal Talent Competition, Hot Tub, something to do with blindfolded strangers finding true love, Hot Mamas, housewives picking the perfect pool boy, and Hot Plumbers of Brooklyn. Okay. I made that last one up. So that's a little start. <laughs> that's great. Well, if, if listeners haven't heard about Funhouse yet or the John Cepak series, how would you describe the, the novel Funhouse? Well, Funhouse is the seventh in the series, but you can pick up the, the books anywhere. I try to write them so you don't have to read all of them in order. Uh, my main protagonist is a guy named John Cepak, who's a by-the-book cop who will not lie, cheat, or steal, nor tolerate those who do. But my narrator is a, a younger cop named Danny Boyle, who, when the series started, was a bit of a slacker. He's still sort of a wise guy, but he, he's growing into his job quite nicely. And what happens, I couldn't resist writing this mystery series that takes place down on the Jersey Shore, uh, seeing what's going on on television, a reality TV show like... Uh, Jersey Shore meets Survivor meets every other one of those reality shows, sets up shop in my fictional town of Sea Haven, and my cops have got to stop these guys from basically ruining their town. <laughs> Great. Well, do you remember the original idea or impetus for the John Cepak character? Yes, I do. In fact, I, uh, I was, I'm a big fan, still am, of mysteries and the whole genre. And when I said, I think I'll try to write a mystery, I set out to create the polar opposite of everybody else's main characters. Because typically if you read a lot of, especially dark noir fiction, your detective is usually a divorced ex-cop who's bitter, drinks a little too much because it was his fault that his partner got shot on the job. And and it's sort of this dour character who has no code but his own. So I said, I'm going to create the exact opposite. I'm going to uh, create this sort of Eagle Boy Scout, this grown-up Eagle Boy Scout, uh, a Dudley Do-Right uh, who will not lie, cheat, or steal. So I, I sort of created, I, I set out to create the exact opposite. And when I did that, I realized that 
this is not a character you want narrating these books because he's a great character, but he's a bit of a stick in the mud. So I, I thought maybe uh, I needed a narrator, and so I gave myself a Watson in Danny Boyle. <laughs> great. Well, what is it about CPAC that interests you and keeps you motivated to write more, more novels in the series? Well, as a writer, it's a great game to play to, to give uh, a character this spine that says, I will not lie, cheat, or steal, nor tolerate those who do. And then you start going, wow, that's really hard to do in real life, especially if you're a cop. You know, if, if uh, the bad guy says, is your partner with you? You have to answer yes if that's you know your code. So it's it's kind of been fun for me to sort of play around the code. What if some of the enemies he's been going up against, some of the bad guys, are people had codes of their own? So just that whole idea about uh, of being that devoted to a way of life makes makes a lot of fun to write. Plus the dynamic between the two characters is fun. I decided early on that I wasn't going to do the kind of mystery where. Uh, my hero saw people get murdered, and then they come back the next book, and nothing's changed. My, my guys are affected by everything that happens in each book, and so there's a maturation process that's been going on where uh, Danny Boyle has been learning what it means to be a man, and CPAC is learning what it means to be a friend, and the two of them keep growing, growing closer and closer together. Great. Well, well, in addition to your CPAC series, you also write novels for young adults. You have the Haunted Mystery series and a separate book, Riley Mack, and the other known troublemakers. Is there a noticeable difference in your writing process or style when you sit down to write a book for young adults? Uh, not really, because all my young adult uh, editors encourage me to write up. And I think you know anyone who writes for kids, you know, you can't write down to kids. You don't, you don't dumb things down for kids. I guess other than the adult language and some of the. Uh, the more adult situations that might find their ways into a CPAC book, uh, I, I go at the same way, basically. And I'm a little, I guess, a little more conscious if I'm putting a word in that maybe kids don't know. I'll, in the next sentence, I'll, I'll say the same thing differently so they'll learn a word. So, But that's about the only difference, I think. And, and, and just um, you, you, you published CPAC first before your young adults. Is that the case? Yes, yeah, CPAC, uh, Tilt and Whirl is my very first book that ever got published came out in, uh, that was the first CPAC mystery, came out in 2005 and won the Anthony Award for the best first mystery. So that was kind of cool. Like, oh, my first book won an award. So I guess I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> well, and, well uh, th that's great. And, and I just wanted to ask what the process was like. Did you know all along that you wanted to write for young adults? And was it a hard switch for you to make to start writing those books as well? No, I was... Uh, Actually, I, I, I wished early on that I was writing something that my nieces and nephews could read. Cause I, I, <laughs> no, you're read book. And actually what happened, one of the adult books I had written that had been roundly rejected because it was a ghost story, and I'm not Stephen King or Dean Koontz, uh, found its way to an editor who said, this would make a great middle grades story. So I had to sort of educate myself, what does he mean by middle grades? And as it turns out, and I thank Mad Magazine for warping my mind at age 11 and 12, I apparently have a very good middle grades voice, and that's very hard to find. That's, people can still think like a ten year someone who can still think like a ten year old. So that's my, <laughs> my great skill. So, so what is the writing process like for you when you're working on the novel? Do you outline extensively, or do you write more organically? I what I do is I. Uh, I, because I spent a lot of time writing uh, television commercials and hanging around with sort of screenwriters and directors and stuff, and I, I myself have written a couple screenplays, I follow the model of a three-act movie where I know 
the major plot point that's going to occur at 25% of the way through, what's going to happen in the middle of the book, and typically the next major plot point at three quarters of the way through the story that's going to spin me into the final act or the final crisis. And once I get those, I, uh, I kind of make it up as I go along on most things. When I am writing murder mysteries, I typically create a little file for myself that says what really happened. And I'll, I'll think out the whole murder, the whole crime, and I put that file over to the side, and I refer back to it so I can dribble in clues along the way. But as far as the characters and what people are saying and stuff, I used to do a lot of improv in my youth, so I, I love just sort of making it up and telling myself a story every day. I get bored otherwise. If I outline too tightly, it's like, eh, I've already told myself the story. Right. Well, I don't spend a lot of time on this podcast discover, discussing cover art for books, but I, I've always been struck by the cover art for your CPAC novels. What do you think of the covers? And I wonder, do you have a lot of input when they're, when they're being designed? Uh, no, I like the what we're calling now the classic CPAC look, which were the first Tilt-A-Whirl, Mad Mouse, and Whack-A-Mole, and then that publisher disappeared, and we went to St. Martin's for two books, uh, Hellhole and Mind Scramble, which have a total different look. And now we're at uh, Pegasus Crime, which has the same same designer that did the first three. Then they did Rolling Thunder and Funhouse. I like the look. Uh, first of all, as an old advertising guy, it's very distinctive on the shelf. Second of all, I think what they've done, because it's people don't know the looks, they're sort of like a, a X-ray, if you will, of, of amusement park attractions that don't, don't necessarily include the one in the title, but they look like almost like skeletal images of roller coasters and Ferris wheels and, and all the great amusements. And to me, I thought they captured uh, the comedy and the, the frightening nature of my books expertly. I thought that it was brilliant when the guy came up with it because my books are funny, but they also go to some really dark places. So they're not like Janet Ivanovich kind of kind of right. fun. But Dan, he's got a lot of sort of wise remarks. Uh, you know, he's, he's got commentary on things that are going on in society and stuff. So there is some humor there, but uh, the crimes are usually pretty dark and take CPAC and Danny to a really dark place that they have to kind of crawl out of. So I think the covers sort of telegraph that. Uh, I think some people were really put off by the first cover because it was hot pink. But, you know, if we started looking at them, now I call the first cover was done in cotton candy pink. The second one was done in saltwater taffy green. <laughs> one was done in snow cone purple. Uh, then we have orange swirl cone, cone orange for number six. And this one's blue. I don't know. This one's, this one's kind of like a tropical drink. I haven't thought about this blue as yet, but it's sort of like aqua velva blue or like those kind of uh, umbrella drink blue. So they yeah. have like a, a summer feel to them, which is a lot of fun. That's great. Well, w given your success writing thus far in terms of novels and also uh, young adult uh, work that you're doing, what tips or advice would you offer for aspiring writers who want to have their own books published? Well, the best advice I got, and I didn't want to get it when I got it at the time because I spent sort of four or five years getting nothing but rejection letters. And I, I, my first book I worked on was a thing called The Prayer Circle. And I worked on that and I rewrote it and every time I got a rejection letter okay I can fix it to fix that and I would rewrite it and I'd rewrite it and finally but after about a year year and a half of working on this one book I read an interview with an agent either in writers magazine or writers digest and this guy said there comes a point where you have to decide am I going to write this one book or do I want to be a writer if you want to be a writer then your career plan is to write more than one book so put that first book away and start writing your second book. 
and it's you know I, I it was really hard for me to do that. <laughs> oh, this thing is brilliant. It would be a New York Times bestseller if someone would just publish it. Don't they see this? And uh, so that that was that's my one advice. That of course everyone's standard advice is read everything and you can and write every day on a very sort of regular basis. Right. I think everyone says that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what books, fiction or nonfiction, have you read lately that made an impact on you and that you would recommend? Well, you know, this is interesting. I was at a conference in Florida not too long ago, and one of the other mystery writers said that one of the sacrifices that he had to make as a mystery author was giving up reading mysteries that he loved so much because he could figure them out. And then I said, you know, that's right. I've had to like give up reading mysteries and thrillers because it's like, I know what they're doing. I can see what they're doing. So I'm finding myself reading more and more uh, nonfiction. And uh, I also, I still love reading a lot of uh, kids' books just because I like to get caught up on what's going on there. So uh, so right now, boy, what am I reading right now? I'm reading <laughs> a, a book about LBJ. I'm reading another book about where does creativity come from. So I'm like reading all sorts of eclectic stuff, but I'm not reading many mysteries right now. Great. Well, where can people find you online? Uh, my name, which is really hard to, to, to pronounce and spell, which is Chris Grabenstein, G-R-A-B, as in boy, E-N-S-T-E-I-N, dot com. Great. And I'll have a link in the show notes of that for, for that uh, website. Well, again, we've been speaking with Chris Grabenstein, author of the new John Cepak mystery novel, Funhouse, which is available in bookstores or as an ebook now. Chris, thanks for doing the interview. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.